This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brahman, Rockies manager Bud Black checking in with the guys. Seeing how uh, how they're doing, you know, mentally and physically. The guys that I've contact with, they're fine. Physically fine. They're antsy. They want to get back to playing. Drew and Julie with sheltering in place confessions. Are you solo drinking? I am solo drinking. The latest on our partners and good friends at Boyer's Coffee. Their product is still in your favorite grocery store. Philanthropy in sports, or lack thereof. I'm surprised that more Denver athletes haven't stepped up. And I don't like to shame people into donating money, but that surprised me. And what is your skipper recommending on Netflix? It got a little crazy as you get into, uh, you know, season two, season three, but... It should grab you pretty immediately. It's pretty good stuff. Give it a shot. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. That is right. It is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Hello, Drew. Hello, Julie. It sounds like I'm supposed to say hello, Newman. Hello, Newman. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. This is funny because yeah. we talk about it each week. Um, and because of what we're all enduring, um, you and I haven't, when was the last time we saw each other? It's been a long, long, long time. Uh, it's probably why you're in such a great mood every time we tape this. I gotta be honest. It's because of the wine. Are you solo drinking? I am solo drinking. I never used to drink by myself ever, ever drew. And now this is what my, my days are. Um, I do still work. Um, I have a lot of coffee. I have a lot of coffee. And then at some point about six o'clock, I go from coffee to wine and it's good. It's fine. It's just, I, it's a different way of living. <laughs> Let me ask you something, young lady. Do you think you're the only person out there that goes from right from coffee, Boyer's coffee, I know from, from coffee to wine at night or beer? I think, I think, Good portion of the country does that, don't they? You just described my day. I actually saw that on Facebook. It was an animated uh, cup of coffee running with a baton, handing the baton off to a running glass of wine. And that was like the day. So yes, that happened. Um, you bring up Boyer's Coffee. Just want to give people an update because I think everybody out there knows that they're one of our valued sponsors. Spoke to Caitlin today. Doing well. Um, right now they're concentrated on a go. And for people that didn't know, Boyer's coffee burnt down on March 31st. It was, a, um, it was a total loss and obviously a total surprise. Um, they're doing a GoFundMe for their employees right now. They're going to rebuild and they're going to be better than ever. But right now they're concentrating on their employees about, um, a little over 60, I think. So if you're interested in donating to Boyer's coffee, which we all, which you and I, I know are, I just go to our, my Facebook page. Uh, go to your Twitter. I know you retweeted it. I tweeted it on my Twitter. Um, go to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brown Facebook page or my own personal Facebook page, and you'll see the, all that information. I just want to let people know what's going on with that. Yeah, that's that's great. And, I mean, they have been for many, many decades a great community partner. They need a little hand right now. But I also want to pass along, Julie, as you well know, their product is still in your favorite grocery store. So, um, you know, they, they are still producing coffee and, um, they had another warehouse where they stored, um, coffee. So you can still get your Boyer's coffee fix and, and they're, they're going to be back up and, and better than ever. It's going to take some time, but, um, I'm glad you made mention of the GoFundMe page and, um, you know, let, let's help out some folks who've been great in this community for many, many years. Uh, totally. And you know what? We usually do a what's hot segment brought to you by Boyers and we're still going to do that. And Drew, there's nothing hotter right now to me as a baseball fan than seeing the reports that baseball is shooting for, and this is a report I saw on ESPN, shooting for baseball to return sometime in May and in Arizona, which is something that you had talked about on a previous podcast. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, listen, that day, and Jeff Passan's piece was, I, I guess it's about three days old now, three or four days old. When I saw that, man, that was the best day I've had in a long time because you're thinking, oh, man, you know, you know, baseball is going to be proactive. You know, all the sports are as long as it's as long as it's safe. Health is, is going to be, you know, num- the number one issue. They have to have an OK from, you know, the federal government, from the CDC. 
I, you know, may still may be ambitious, but the Arizona concept, Julie, it, and you and I talked about it, it, it made a lot of sense. Is it perfect? Heck no. None of this is perfect. First of all, I, I did see, you know, there were a handful of players that were interviewed and some were like, hey, I just want to play. Nolan Arenado being one of them. There were a couple, Brett Anderson, a former Rocky, who said, well, I don't want to be away from my family for that period of time. And, you know, different things. I get that. Um, as a broadcaster, I, I wouldn't want to be away from my family. There are things that would have to be ironed out. But let's remember one thing. This is a situation that hasn't happened since 1918. This has had a global effect, as we all know. So guess what? We're you may not get to sit in your fancy clubhouse like you're used to. There may not be fans, unfortunately, at least initially. There's going to be ha- – you're going to have to give quite a bit, but you can be part of a great thing, and that is bringing sports entertainment back to people who are starved for that. So I, I, I was a little put off by you know Brett Anderson's comment. Listen. How about members of the military who go away and they don't see their family for a year or or longer? I'm not trying to equate people who play a sport. Any, I will never do that for somebody who's putting their life on the line fighting for our country. So the analogy was not meant to that. It was meant to state that we are in a very, very unique situation. And we're trying to make the best out of what is going to be a very imperfect situation as well. So let's talk about if you didn't see the report um, on from ESPN, some of the things that were thrown out there that would that are kind of on the list that would have to be done. And you're talking about that the teams would play in Arizona and only like you couldn't bring your family down there. So that's what you're talking about, that it's just it's really essential personnel, which would be teams, trainers, broadcasters, that would be part of it is that if I'm not, if I'm correct, it's the whole season, right? In Arizona. Well, you know, again, Julie, these are things, these are ideas being floated right now. There is nothing. And Major League Baseball came out with a, um, a statement um, later that morning after the the ESPN piece by Jeff Passan got a lot of uh, attention, understandably. Um, but they, they came out and said, "Listen, we're, we're kicking around a lot of ideas, and there's nothing etched in stone." So, you know, could it be initially they play for six weeks down there and then there's a clearance where you can go to, you know, home ballparks and there can be maybe a limited number of fans? We don't know. We have an interview coming up with, with Buddy Black in a little bit. And the biggest key is time. Every day we get bits of new information, you know, and hopefully at some point in time, Julie, we wake up and, you know, there's a there's a medical breakthrough in treating this. Um, you, you know, there's some of the brightest minds in the world working on this, you know, 24 seven. So, you know, we don't know what it ultimately will look like. Are there hurdles, as you suggest, to playing an entire, you know, let's say, let's call it 120 games, um, in Arizona. Certainly there are, um, there, there's going to be a lot of things that you have to, you know, jump over and massage. What happens if, listen, somebody's going to get coronavirus, a couple of somebodies are. It can't shut down, you know, the whole league or decimate a whole team. So to me, that's the number one uh, element that has to be overcome, that if somebody does test positive, it doesn't mean, you know, that team or, as I said, the whole league gets shut down, that it's it's able to be handled and that that person's put in a safe locale and is able to be treated, you know, um, with the best, you know, medical um, stuff we have at that point in time. Well, so things might look a little different. Again, like you said, it changes on a daily basis. But some of the things floating out there with this plan, which I just think are interesting, um, players sitting in the empty stand six feet apart, the recommended social distancing space instead of a, in a dugout. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, that's great TV. <laughs> like, right? Because they're shooting every guy sitting six feet away in the stands, but right. That makes sense. You don't want people sitting, you know, right next to each other 
in the dugout or no mound visits from the catcher or pitching coach. Um, Let's see. Implementation of an electronic strike zone to allow the plate umpire to maintain sufficient distance from the catcher and batter. So this stuff has been thought out. Now, I, I guarantee you all the leagues, but we're you know specifically talking about baseball. They are kicking around every potential scenario. They're trying to problem solve and they're hoping like we all are that each day that passes, there is going to be some sort of breakthrough. Um, you know, first of all, you know, hopefully we continue to see a, a mitigation of the number of cases and certainly the number of deaths. And then, you know, how do we handle this where we can restore some degree of normalcy to our lives and professional sports, you know, would be one of those um, elements. But, you know, again, I keep coming back to the same thing. There, there are hurdles that have to be overcome. Julie, do you remember in 2015 when because of riots in Baltimore, the Orioles and the White Sox played the final game of a series in the afternoon with absolutely no fans in attendance. And and the one of the things that uh, I read about, you know, and I, I it, it was strange when watching the highlights because, you know, guys are hitting the ball in the gap and there's no one there. I mean, heck, there's more more people at a, you know, a 12 year old baseball game because there's parents there. I mean, there's literally no one there. They played that game, though, in two hours and three minutes. Isn't that interesting? Yes, that would be amazing. Have you thought about Drew just being with Spilly and Corey and maybe Jenny just for 120 games? Just you guys? Right now, Julie, you're going to laugh at this. Right now, if they told me, hey, you got to do it in a broom closet and you got to sit next to Spilly for, you know, he wouldn't be happy about it either. Um, I, I, I desperately want to see baseball back, Rockies baseball. I want to be working again. I speak for my brethren in that regard. And, and, you know, as importantly, the fans, I mean, you know, we're, we're coming home and I've watched like eight different Super Bowls. I've watched so many different, you know, Rockies, you know, games from, from the past. How cool would it be for people to be able to go home and the Rockies are playing the Dodgers and it actually counts. It may look differently initially because there aren't a bunch of folks there, but it's, there's Nolan taking in a bat against Walker Bueller. Um, you know, there's Ryan McMahon in the box. Uh, that I, I think would buoy a lot of people's spirits. You know, before we get to the interview with Buddy Black, you said uh, something about, you know, a degree of normalcy. I don't think that we're going to see a, it's it's going to change and that's okay. Right. Like, I don't think that if it, it comes back and it, it's not normal. Um, that's the new world we live in is that this is, this is not normal for us. So if it looks different, that's okay because that's how we have to do it now. So if it, you know, if it, if it, I know baseball has a lot of traditionalists and there might be, you know, seven inning double headers just to get more games in, but that that's going to be okay. We just have to roll with those punches. I think everybody has to realize I, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine. He goes, Oh, I don't like, you know, he said, I don't like, uh, you know, I don't like that plan in Arizona. I don't like playing without fans. Guess what? This year's different. Get over it in, in future years. It'll look like, you know, hopefully like we're accustomed to, there will be, you know, stands full of people eating hot dogs and cotton candy, and it'll and we'll get back to what we're accustomed to. This year is different, and people have to embrace that and understand that. Somebody that understands that this year is different and is going to roll the punches is Buddy Black. When we come back, we're going to hear a nice long interview that you had with Buddy that that's pretty enjoyable. But first, let's tell you about some of our very valued sponsors. That's right, our friends at Ideal Home Loans and. You know, interest rates have come way down. And again, we're all trying to save a buck right now. Everybody's hurting. Give Ideal Home Loans a call. They um, are, are spectacular at what they do because they listen and then they lend and they listen carefully and they'll do everything in their power to put you in the right situation, whether it's refinancing a current loan, whether maybe you're in a situation where you, you want to take advantage of the market right now and, and, you're, and you're purchasing a new place, 
or you're just trying to consolidate debt and make things a little bit easier, you know, going forward in this most difficult time. So give them a call. Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's company has been around since 2001, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Um, as we like to say, Julie, they don't just hand those things out. They have earned it over two decades um, and, and I know they're uh, raring to go right now. I talked to Brent uh, in the last week or so. So give them a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans. And they bring us our interview of the week. It's with the Rocky skipper, Buddy Black. Well, first of all, this has got to be so strange for you because, as I recall, when um, when you retired from playing after a lengthy career, you immediately went into the front office. So you you've never been at home in April, am I right? Correct. Yes, I've uh, I've stayed in the game uh, since the day I signed in 1979. Granted that there was a four year period there from retirement until I went back full time with the Angels that. Uh, you know, doing some things uh, with the Cleveland Indian front office that enabled me to be a little bit more independent with my time. But I was always in spring training, uh, never missed the spring, always in uniform in spring training. So, you know, this is a, this is a weird one for me in that, uh, here we are the, you know, going to the middle of April and, you know, I'm sitting at home. How, how two questions? How strange is it? Number one, which is an obvious one, and number two, when when the NBA shut down and then baseball quickly followed, so we're going to shut down spring training. Did you have an inkling that this could be a real protracted thing? You know, initially I didn't. Uh, you know, it, I mean, it woke us all up when uh, you know the first uh, you know the the first hint that there was going to be a delay, right? That when we first heard it, Drew, it was, it was uh, we heard uh, April 9th. And then from that point on, we started getting, uh, you know, a lot of uh, pessimistic news uh, moving forward. Now, this was, you know, obviously, you know, the third week of March. Uh, at that time, uh, you know, I think all of us in the game, or maybe even in the country, thought that, uh, you know, this was only going to be a, uh, you know, a short period of time before, you know, we all resume. But, you know, the more you read uh, during those uh, early stages and uh, all the coverage that was out there in the media, that's when it became a reality that this could be a long, and I don't know what long is. Uh, it seems long already to me, but, uh, but now that we've sort of all settled into this, uh, what we're going through, uh, you know, long to me seems, you know, I don't know, late June, early July. I mean, uh, hopefully uh, we can get back. Uh, there's been some great news lately, right, that uh, talking about May and, you know, some of these scenarios in Arizona. But I like the fact that everybody's being creative about when to come back. And just obviously as we speak now, uh, there's some positive signs uh, going around the country on the on what's happening with the with the percentages, the totals, the the curves, all the things that uh, are are taking place with us. What, what was your initial thought when you read, you know, the Arizona model, for lack of a better way of phrasing it? Um, you know, I, I had mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that, that you know, far be it, you know, that I privy to anything, but. You know, it just seemed if you can get all the teams in in one locale, yeah, the heat is a factor, but then you, you mitigate travel costs, et cetera, and, and there's enough facilities because we're talking about fanless games that you can televise and, you know, and, and, and get something done. What, what was your initial reaction? And now that you've kicked it around, what's your thoughts on it? Well, my initial reaction was, you know, I love the, I love the thought that, you know, both sides of the Players Association and the, and the commissioner's office are, are really working hard with, you know, a lot of creative ideas. I, I love that part of it. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, obviously I, we all want to play. So I was excited in that regard that, you know, there could be baseball. Uh, you know, but I think the, you know, the practical side, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hurdles and there's a lot of things that have to, you know, go into this to, to make it a, you know, to make it a good product. I think, 
uh, you know, you can you can pick it apart in a lot of different ways. Uh, you can pick it apart from a negative standpoint, and you can and you can view it as a positive. You know that we're playing. I, you know, I would like to think that you know there's a better solution. Uh, you know than than that, but it's uh, it's the first one out there. Uh, so I want to so I want to grab onto it and 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 and, and hopefully uh, add to it if I. You know, if I can, if, you know, there's future discussions, but uh, I think it's really too. It's still relatively early to tell if that, you know, can work. But I, but I like the fact that uh, we're trying and we're trying real hard. You're you're an optimistic guy. You've always been that way. How how are you keeping, uh, you know, the daily optimism that you know what there's going to be uh, there's going to be a season and and we're going to be able to compete and that sort of thing. Think that uh, you know, for me, it, you know, this, this uh, you know, this shutdown started early, right? Uh, this started the you know the third third week of spring training, fourth week of spring training, uh, and the baseball season, as we know, as we know, is long. So you know, as of right now, we've missed what ten, you know, ten, twelve, fourteen games, whatever it is. And uh, out of 162, uh, you know, I also know that there's going to have to be a, a ramp up, start up time to, to get everybody back into baseball shape, uh, you know, whenever that is. Uh, but I also know that, uh, you know, what happened in, you know, 1995, uh, what happened in, uh, you know, 1981, uh, when there was a midseason shutdown of, you know, close to two months that. You know, things got turned around and, and baseball was played. So, uh, you know, my hope is that, you know, just medically and, uh, you know, what, uh, what the experts are saying and uh, that, you know, in a, in a month, we'll see a lot of change in, in how we're operating as a country. And that means uh, how we're operating uh, as professional sports teams. So, uh, and things can happen, you know, I think quickly. Once we get the green light, that's the thing that I'm optimistic about, that there's, there, there'd be so much momentum to, to get things going. But also I think, the, you know, there's a practicalness to it that, uh, that will be in place. But, uh, I think everybody will be, will be, you know, super amped, uh, to get it, to get it figured out. And I think, uh, there's still plenty of time left to have a, uh, legitimate season. You're a deep thinker. Do you, do you have any, you know, ideas that maybe haven't been um, advanced nationally that uh, that potentially could work? No, I, you know, all this. I was on a I was on a call about two weeks ago. Uh, you know, just on you know my thoughts on a resumption of spring training and a little bit of what would need to take place in the first part of uh, the season as it related to you know getting back uh, you know on our feet. Uh, and the people that I've talked to, I mean, all, you know, I think a lot of, you know, great ideas have been, are been out there. And then I haven't come up with anything on my own except that, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, the thought of going deeper, uh, you know, into the fall, you know, the thought of some neutral site playoff games, uh, potentially, uh, you know, all the, all the things that, uh, other people have come up with I've sort of thought along the same lines so I'm not you know I'm not uh, I haven't come up with anything crazy because right. I think for the most part I'm pretty practical yeah no I, I think everybody you know every once in a while you'll read I don't want to call them you know rogue players obviously people are concerned about family and as they should be and concerned about well, you know the heat in Arizona if we go back to that but from my standpoint this this whole year is an aberration. This is a once in a century type of, uh, you know, global uh, effect, uh, you know, something affecting the globe. And so people have to get out of there. Hey, you know, yeah, there may not be fans in the stands initially or for, you know, for for a significant period of time. Um, you may have to adjust because that is what everybody's forced to do. I agree. I think that you know, everything, and you've heard it often that, uh, you know, everything's on the table, nothing's off limits to, to think about, but you're right. I mean, now's the time to be creative because uh, I totally agree. This is a, a once in a lifetime thing. Uh, 
So let's let's try to be as as creative as possible, uh, you know, within the the realm of uh, you know being realistic and, and making a good product and not making it something that it's not. But uh, you know, again, I think so many so many questions will will be answered as each day goes on. When, when 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 we start to spin out of this thing and and I think we're starting to spin out of it now from what uh, you know I'm hearing and reading yeah I, I think the biggest key this is an obvious one is is you know when not if when when it gets rolling again when somebody because that also is not an if somebody or a bunch of somebody's will test positive it can't shut down the whole industry it has to be that we have to medically get to a point where they're treated and you know they're removed from the equation for a period of time but it doesn't shut everything down or, or take the Oakland A's out of it because they all of a sudden have three guys that that, that test positive but yeah that would be uh, I mean uh, you know I that's, that's a great point I think that uh, you know we can't uh, obviously you know there's a there's a risk in anything you do I think when it when it comes to to health uh, but I think when, you know, when the country opens back up, when, you know, stores start opening, when businesses start opening, uh, I don't see why not baseball can't open, right? If, 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 if we do get that green light and, and, and people start going back to work and certain, uh, certain, uh, things start, uh, you know, uh, getting open, I think baseball should follow. Yeah. I, I, I would agree a hundred percent. Hey, have you, are you checking in? I assume you are. Do you, you check in with with your guys, and and you know how does that work? And um, do you just you know keep, keep tabs on on guys and see how they're doing? Is that yeah, yeah? You know, it's just you know sort of uh, you know what you do in the in the in the in a normal off season during the you know the December and January months, right? I think there was a you know when the when the regular season ends you sort of give the guys a little you give the guys a little bit of space you know through uh you know no late october november uh you let them settle in to you know what the what they do in the off season then you start touching base with guys uh, once you get into december and january and that's sort of where we are now right just keeping tabs on the guys seeing if they're okay uh you know seeing how uh, you know how they're doing you know mentally and physically uh, and, you know, the guys that I've, uh, you know, been in contact with, they're, you know, they're, they're fine. I mean, they're physically fine. Uh, they're antsy. The, they want to get back to playing. They're working out. Uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, they, they see a resumption at some point, which is, which is great. So, uh, but as far as our group and, uh, and I haven't, you know, talking with other managers and coaches and people in the game that, you know their their players are the same, right? There's 750 big league players. There's four or five thousand minor league players, and you know I think you know everybody sort of you know everybody feels good in our sport, right? I know that uh, probably all of us have been touched somewhat with this in, in some sort of fashion. But as far as uh, the Rockies and our group, uh, you know our guys are doing fine. Uh, they're curious. Uh, they're anxious. Uh, you know they're inquisitive. Uh, you know all the all the normal things that you would expect from a player. You know this. Uh, you know going through this situation. Sure. Hey, you know what? Going back to when when spring was actually normal and and you were uh, you know playing games and and you know eyeballing your guys and some of your young guys and, and some of the young arms. What did you take away with uh, you know after that month, if you will? And, um, you know, where was your level of optimism with the group that um, that you were, you know, in all likelihood going to break camp with? Well, overall, a couple of things, uh, a couple of things stood out for me. I think, you know, our position player group, the, uh, the guys that you would, you know, call, you know, the, you know, the backbone of our position player group, Nolan, Trevor, Charlie, Murph, uh, Desi. Uh, doll uh all those guys were were feeling were feeling physically good and getting in a really good spot with two weeks to go so there were really no concerns there on the on the position player side they were uh 
uh, you know, where they needed to be. You know, a couple of the younger guys, uh, Hilliard, uh, for one, Hampson, uh, you know, those guys, you know, they're, you know, playing hard through spring. Uh, you know, Hilliard trying to make the team, uh, you know, probably pressing a little bit too much, but he's going to be a really good player through that. I, I think that is something that, uh, you know, we all feel good about. Uh, Ryan McMahon looked great. I thought Mac was, you know, headed, uh, in a really, really good direction leading up to spring training. Uh, you know, there's just a, there, the position player group look, look really, really solid, but, I was encouraged by, on the pitching side, a couple guys. Kyle uh, looked really strong as far as, uh, you know, how he was throwing the ball. Uh, his, his his delivery looked much better than the, you know, that sort of flamingo pause that uh, sort of crept into his game most of last year. Uh, his delivery and, and how he was throwing the ball looked much better. And I thought Sensatella was throwing the ball great. Uh, John and Herman were, were both fine where they needed to be, but I was really impressed by, you know, Sensatella and, and Freeland, uh, where they were. And the guys, uh, you know, battling for that, uh, you know, potentially that fifth spot, Peter, uh, Lambert, uh, Jeff Hoffman, Chi Chi Gonzalez, uh, those guys were fighting hard too. You know, Peter had a little bit of a hiccup with the elbow, but, uh, you know he'll I, he'll pitch again this year. It's going to be a little bit of a slower comeback for him. But and the relievers, I thought, uh, you know, were also in a pretty good spot. Wade looked good. Uh, I think there was a great deal of conviction how he was throwing the ball. And some of the newer guys in camp were were making impressions. Tyler Kinley looked great. I thought Tim Collins was throwing the ball well. Uh, Pezos, who we saw a little bit last year, was throwing the ball well. So. Uh, there were some bright spots there. Uh, so overall, I thought, uh, you know, the group looked good and there was a, you know, there was a, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder confidence, I think, that was sort of developing a little bit based on, you know, what the guys were seeing amongst each other, right? I think, uh, you know, the position player group uh, felt good about the pitching and I think the, and the pitchers, you know, always feel pretty good about our, our core players. So uh, I think we're in a pretty good spot. When you, when you look at returning to, to play, it seems to me that this is also an opportunity for baseball. I mean, we, you know, baseball is a, you know, people who, who love the game like we do, you know, it's, it's the greatest game. Um, but the reality is, um, from a marketability standpoint, it's fallen behind the NFL, certainly, as everything has, and, and maybe even the NBA in terms of how they market their individual players. Could this be an opportunity when, when baseball gets back on the field to, again, get out of, you know, maybe that box a little bit and think um, of new ways of being innovative in how we present the sport to maybe – you know, grab some new viewers, some younger viewers, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think I think that's always at the forefront of our, you know, of our leadership group. Uh, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, the commissioner's office, uh, you know, individual clubs, uh, you know, MLB marketing. You know, that is that's always out there, and you know, obviously that's you know not my not my specialty. Uh, even though Drew, I did take some marketing classes in college. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would I would like to think that uh, you know we're always we're always pushing that, and our and our people are always uh, you know brainstorming on how to you know present our sport better and present our product. Uh, but you're right. I think you know because of what's going on, we have a unique opportunity to do some things different at least this year to to see how they to see how they look and see how they're uh, viewed by by our viewership, so you know I'm in for anything that's uh, you know that's you know can be as uh, creative uh, as possible and maybe grab the attention of some you know some younger people who are you know looking to uh, you know to watch our game. I know that uh, you know football once a week or you know it's a, you know it's a little bit different uh, than than our sport, obviously, which is every day. 
you know, the pace of their game is a you know a little bit different from play to play as our, as baseball. Even though the length of a football game now is three and a half hours, which is you know shorter than our game, but uh, you know, just a different style of of, of athleticism. Uh, you know, to, between each and every sport. But uh, I do know this, that our people are trying hard to, to do everything they can to, to, market our, to market our sport. Hey, some, some real quick hitters. Seven-inning doubleheaders, if that, if that comes about this year, um, that, that could be interesting. Or do you look at it as like, wow, you know, you, the, the fifth inning becomes, you know, the seventh inning and, and so on. And, and certainly it's going to put, uh, you know, different pressures on you as a manager, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine. It'd be the same for both teams. Uh, you know, the idea was also floated. Maybe the first game nine, second game seven. Uh, yeah. I sort of, I sort of like that idea better. Okay. How about you know? This is something you you got a lot during spring training, but since uh, you know we haven't chatted in a little bit, the the three batter minimum when you when you make a move to the bullpen. What what do you have on that? And how are you how are you getting your arms around it? Spring training is obviously different, but you know. Speak to that a little bit. Well, you know, I was, you know, obviously I, I, I mentioned that yesterday that, uh, you know, again, it, 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 for me it's sort of like, uh, you know, when you talk about shifting and, you know, they were talking about outlawing the shift. Uh, you know, I, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, you have 26 players, you know, uh, you know, a manager and a coaching staff should be able to deploy those 26 wherever you want, right? You sure. Place them wherever you want on defense and, and use them, and use them uh, on the mound however you want to use them. And uh, I always thought that uh, you know that strategy and how each team does that differently is, is part of the you know the beauty of our sport. Uh, you know, again, this is just a new strategy. I mean, I'll obviously I'm uh, you know I'll. I'll I'll, you know, we have to adhere to it, so we'll do it. But uh, I still like the, you know, the the ability to deploy your 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 players how you want to deploy. The other one for me, and and I'm going to pass my opinion on and then solicit yours, which is, you know, I guess I have that luxury since I'm asking the question, right? The 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 electronic strike zone, even though, as, as you know, buddy. Every team on television, it's a sold item, the strike zone, and it's a pretty lucrative deal, um, you know, for the television networks that are that are broadcasting. But I hate and I comment on it, but I hate that it becomes a referendum on the home plate umpire because I love the art of catching. Um, I caught I have a son who's catching in college and, and I know how much you value Tony. Uh, and what he does in handling a pitching staff and how he's able to, you know, in the, in the you know, words of Jerry Weinstein, you know, straballs turn, turn balls into strikes. And I just hope we don't get there. And it seems like all indications are we're going to get to an electronic strike zone. You pitched for a living forever. What What's your thoughts? Well, I you know, I do. I think we're going to get there. I really do. Uh, and. There's a there's a part of me that thinks it might be a good thing, and there's a part of me that uh, you know to your end, uh, you know the art of catching will will go by a little bit will go by the wayside. So uh, I was asked that yesterday, and I and I sort of gave the thumbs up on it, just because I think I know it's coming. I think right. it's going to be uh, there's just too much momentum, uh, but it, it, it's going to it's going to change. Uh, it's it's going to change the game. Uh, you know, I don't know. We won't know exactly how it's going to change it, but it's going to change it because, uh, you know, traditional, you know, the the lower strike might come into play, the higher called strike might come into play. I'm I'm not sure how it's going to how it's going to be affected, but you know, certain pitches might come, uh, you know, back into play, and other pitches might go by the wayside. So. And, and really, the uh, to your point, the you know the ability to really receive the ball, uh, the ability whether it's uh, fair or not, the, the ability of the catcher to you know to interact with that umpire uh, that you know a lot of us aren't uh, privy to that those conversations that are you can't hear under the mass of each of each uh, 
umpire and catcher, uh, you know, sort of work in the umpire a little bit. And those, those are gone. Uh, so, uh, you know, that part of the game will, will definitely change, but I just think there's too much momentum and too much technology that, uh, it's going to be hard to stay away from it. What do you got, buddy, on Mike and guys up? I know the Cubs did it, to, and you, you know, you're great about it during the season. But, but actually, again, trying to, um, you know, trying to make the game grow as we move well into the 21st century. I know in spring training, the Cubs had, you know, Rizzo and and Bryant, uh, you know, mic'd up, and you can't have it every day. And these guys are competing their ass off, and. And I get that. Again, it's just kind of thinking outside the box. Is there a place for that during regular season games, potentially? I think that's probably going to happen more. I know that, uh, you know, Drew, I've I've been asked a lot to do it, Uh, you know, whether it's an inning, uh, you know, certain parts of the game. uh, And I think most most managers, most players sort of reject it. But, you know, you – you know, you know, part of the thing that, uh, you know, our marketers are talking about is how do we make the game more enjoyable for the fans, whether it's the fan at home, uh, you know, is, is, is players mic'd up, you know, the audio part is, uh, you know, sort of cool for the fans. And it's, uh, you know, for us, it's a, you know, it's a, I think it takes, it takes away a little bit of what we do naturally because, you can't naturally do what you what you need to do if if you know you're mic'd up. So there's a there's a there's a part of me that that I get it uh, from a you know from a product standpoint, and there's a big part of me that uh, you know I reject it because you you truly your mind is split, you know, knowing that you know you're mic'd up. So it's a sure it's a real dilemma. Yeah, you know, for a player. I mean, it, it's 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 fan friendly. It's it's fun. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, there's the, you know, the real part of the real emotion part. Uh, you really can't get there when you know you're mic'd up. Yeah, no, I, I certainly, certainly understand that. So, buddy, a lot of time on your hand. You got a good book going? You know, I'm reading, uh, I'm reading a sort of a, a, a stat book called The uh, MVP Machine. Uh, it talks a lot about modern day analytics. Uh, I'm sort of working my way through that one. Uh, Netflix, I just finished uh, season three of Ozark. I sort of binged through that the last few days. Watching uh, MLB Network, a lot of uh, old classic games. Uh, you know, watching my granddaughter grow from, uh, you know, day to day as a one-year-old. Cleaning the garage, Drew. Purging my office. A lot of different things. Yeah, same, nice. thing every, same thing everybody else is doing. There you go. Uh, do we have two thumbs up on Ozark, or I haven't gotten that one yet? You know, uh, I got, I got, I got a thumbs up for sure. Uh, I don't know whether I'll go two thumbs up, but I'll go thumbs up. Especially it, it gets your, uh, it got a little crazy as you get into, uh, you know, season two, season three, but it should grab you pretty immediately. It's pretty good stuff. Give Probably. it a shot. I, I'll have to give it a shot. My problem with binge watching is. Um, I, I get tired of the same character because I'm like, all right, I've just seen four hours of these guys. I'm done with these guys. <laughs> right. Hey, buddy, it's uh, it's great catching up. Um, I know you'll remain optimistic. Uh, even more so, I look forward to seeing you soon. Best to Nan and, and the girls. All right, Drew. Always a pleasure. Uh, I know uh, I know we're coming from the same spot that we want to we want to get uh, get over this uh, get over this virus nationally and globally. And get back to playing. That a boy. That's it, man. Number one. Stay well, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Drew. Stay well. That interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. Uh, Drew, one of the things I thought was interesting is that Buddy is not a fan of the three batter minimum. Do you agree with him? A hundred percent. I mean, there's there's things that I don't think you mess with in baseball. And I, and I applaud Rob Manfred because Rob, you know, Rob's trying to be creative. He's trying to, you know, change with the times and, and, and you, you know, if you get stuck in the same place, you get left behind in, in any sport um, or any really endeavor. Um, so I understand why he is, you know, trying to be creative. This particular one I, I don't like, and you heard buddy, Julie, he said, listen, as a manager, I want to be able to put my chess pieces defensively 
wherever I'd like, and I'd like to be able to match up. I mean, Buddy's a pitcher. You want to be able to match up the way you want to match up and not go, okay, I brought in Jones, and I know you know he got the first guy out, but I, I really don't like this next matchup, but I have to use him. I mean, that, that goes against the essence of what we've watched in baseball for 150 years. So um, I, I, I'm with Buddy on that. You heard him talk about the automated strike zone. It kind of surprised me a little bit. He knows it's coming, so he's kind of fallen in line. Um, you've heard me rail against it because I think one of the great um, elements of the game is the art of framing, the art of catching, and I don't want to see that lost because it's now all automated. But guess what? It, it's coming. It may come. It may come quicker than everybody expects. I cannot wait for baseball to start and to hear a gosh, a Buddy Black, you know, uh, in the dugout. That'll just be so nice to. See him talking baseball again. Hey, Drew, before we get out of here, get out of here, um, I want to bring up something about what's been going on. And I want to give some kudos to a couple of Rockies players. Uh, Daniel Murphy donated in all, since all this has started, $200,000. He gave $100,000 to help minor league players. And he also gave $100,000 to when the Rockies had the stay home for opening day that was broadcast also on AT&T. He donated $100,000 as well that was donated that was matched by Food Bank. Rymel Tapia has raised money in the Dominican Republic. Where is he from again? He, he He's from, I, I want to say he's from San Pedro de Macorís or right near there, which is just to the north of um, Santa Domingo. But he's from the Santa Domingo area. Okay. So I was very impressed by what they did. I know John Elway has, especially Daniel Murphy, right? Because he um, he's not a longstanding Rocky. He's not somebody that's been here for that long. Um, no, he just he 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 has a, a great you know civic mind in terms of he and his wife and and they wanted to step up and boy did they ever uh, as you said they've given a couple hundred thousand dollars away and there have been people throughout sports that have you know really stepped forward and um, you know it's it's wonderful to see I think you know we we can be divided a lot whether it's politically or uh, ideologically but when you know when the chips are down as they are right now you really see some great acts of kindness and some people who have the wherewithal financially you know to to really step forward and and do so it's it's great to see and you know kudos again to Daniel and his wife for uh, for all they've done okay so we have a very honest relationship so you can tell me if you think I'm being too harsh here as I as I read what he and uh, what Tapia have also donated, and what John Elway donated, I think it was fifty thousand dollars. I'm surprised that more Denver athletes haven't stepped up. And I don't like to shame people into donating money, but that surprised me that not more Denver athletes have stepped up to help the community because the community is hurting. Am I uh, too harsh of a person? Well, here's what I would say. First of all, you know, giving. In my mind, you know, true giving, you know, often comes and should come in an anonymous fashion because, you know, you you don't want people going, hey, I'm going to go to Children's Hospital now. Please bring six cameras and, uh, you know, and four reporters with you because is it still a good thing? Yes, obviously. But, you know, if you're doing it, you know, do it because, you know, this is what you're about and, and, and you're trying to help out. I would never suggest to somebody, you know, where they allocate, you know, whatever discretionary money they have. And I'm sure there are people who are doing it in an anonymous fashion. Um, and I really, I don't, I don't keep score as to, oh, this person stepped forward, that person stepped forward, but I haven't read about this person doing something because... I'm not keeping score. I just... There's a, these guys make a lot of money. I would like to see, maybe it's anonymous. I don't know. And I'm usually not like that, but I guess just Daniel Murphy's um, generosity made me think about that. Yeah. I mean, and so what, you know, what I prefer to do is, I, and I hear what you're saying, believe me, it's not falling on deaf ears, but um, I, I, you know, give Daniel Murphy and his wife a, a great deal of credit. You mentioned, you know, John Elway has, has stepped up. I did read about what Rymel Tapia is doing. And I'll tell you this, you know, Rymel Tapia, it's not like he's made a boatload of money yet. He hasn't, I mean, by, you know, 
professional sports standards, I mean, he's still making the minimum. So it's not like, you know, he's a multimillionaire, but he, he stepped forward in the Dominican. And as you know, Julie, I had the opportunity. I've been down there a couple of times. I was down there uh, about five months ago watching my middle son play down there. And they, they did some, you know, projects in, in helping out the community. And, you know, we have some, you know, obviously poverty in our country without question. Um, the poverty in, in the island nation of the Dominican um, in some places is so profound where you're talking about people who are living without running water um, and, you know, in, in, in basically shanties. And, you know, for him to, to step forward, you know, I give him, you know, a, a ton of credit, as I know you do as well. Right. And before we go, what's on the agenda tomorrow? What is, how does Drew Goodman fill his day? Uh, wow, Julie, you shocked me on that one. First of all, this is the longest stretch I've gone in my adult life without setting an alarm. I literally, I don't, I mean, I get up still like 7.30, but it's not like I have set the alarm. Oh, I got a meeting at 7. I better set the alarm for 6. Or, I mean, I haven't had to set the alarm. So tomorrow, wow, you stumped me. I'm going to work out. You know me. <laughs> And if the weather cooperates, I'll probably go on a bike ride. I'll try to get some stuff done around here. I'll read some. I'm fighting this thing, Julie, because I don't want this, you know, this difficult chapter to end and feel like, you know what? You were sequestered for a couple of months. What did you accomplish? I want to feel like, all right, I accomplished some things. I got some stuff done. I agree. How about you? You're going to work up in Adams County, right? I'm going to work tomorrow. I've been, it's been, I've been you know, busy. So it's just at night though. Like, um, do you have this in the, you live in the suburbs. I live in the city at eight o'clock. People go out on their balconies and they clap, howl, whatever, yell for healthcare workers. And so every night at eight o'clock, I join my neighbors and we go out on the balcony and it's fantastic. That's what I do at eight o'clock every night. Well, I learned that yesterday because I was having a drink at the proper social distance with my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And at eight o'clock, I heard all this howling. And at first, because I, you know, I I have a wooded area right next to me. I literally, I thought it was coyotes. (laughs) And I thought, what the hell is that? And she said, that's, you know, at eight o'clock, everybody howls to honor our first responders and our, and all our medical folks. Yeah. And I thought that was awesome, but I didn't know that till yesterday. All right. Well, now you'll do it every single night at eight o'clock. It's really fun. So if you're listening, you don't do it, go out and howl and clap. And Well, I, I used to do it at midnight just to do it, but now I, I'll do it at eight o'clock. I'm just getting older. Uh, Drew, I will see you next week. Well, you might not see, we might not see each other next week, but we you're will right. certainly talk next week. And again, big thanks to uh, to Buddy for joining us. He's always, uh, always entertaining, isn't he? Very much so. And everybody out there, stay safe. Keep your social distancing. We're going to get through this. Stay well, and we can't wait to hear from you shortly. Be well, everyone. 